Okay, let's see if this is working. All right, so um, myself, Keith Omani Farrell, and Matthew Koshal are here. Say hello, Matt. Hey, yeah. Okay, so this is our third attempt at running a third one, the champ. PTC podcast. Um, first of all, we did it in a coffee shop that had music and people's phones gone off. And then we did it in Matt's apartment where the air conditioning was humming all the way through. When I said too far away as well, didn't I? Yeah, a bit far away. And then uh, now we've got a proper microphone and we're sitting in a seminar room doing it where hopefully this should work. Yeah, no excuses now. Yeah, so the stuff we covered in the last few were sort of why we're doing this, what we want to achieve by this. Um, the main thing is just to give people some sort of conversational content as opposed to questions and answers. Um, so we're going to have a chat with ourselves, we'll, do, we'll bring Chris in for the next one, we'll bring Nick in as well. We'll see, speak to the guys, get to know them a little bit, find out kind of a bit more about their background. Uh, me and Matt will delve into the ours a little bit today. Um, and then we'll just see, we'll just pick out some golden nuggets as we go. This is like, this is, at least for me anyway, this is where you sort of properly learn stuff and you actually pick up some solid information. Because although it's nice going on some of these radio shows, um, like we've been on Dubai Eye, what, four times now? Yeah, four times? as a group. Yeah, four times. Yeah. And then between our that, our blog posts, which are sort of 500 word things, which I don't believe we've posted up yet. I think there's going to be a huge backlog that's going to start coming out in the next few weeks. But all these things, they're just kind of sound bites. You know, they're the, uh, they're the 10 minute, okay, quick, what's your philosophy? Say it in 30 seconds or less. Yeah. Uh, say it in 500 words or less. And so you, you kind of get the, you, you get to like the, the, the scraped surface. Like you get some of the key points still, but you don't really get the context. You don't get into the, to the whys and the hows and the why it might depend. And you know, it's like when we get asked those questions on the radio show, and it's like, okay, this lady wants to do yoga twice a week. She does weights once a week. Should she do more? It's like, well, you know, it depends. Yeah. And you've only got thirty seconds to answer. So, I think this will be quite nice in that sense to just expand and elaborate for those who are interested. Yeah, also with blogs as well though, you only get like one side. You don't, it's just what you say, it's where your mind is at the time. You don't, it's not like a conversation where you say something, I say something, we change our mind, we argue, we, we disagree. Yeah, unpack things. Yeah, it's just here is what I did one for drinking water in, like in the office. And it's all well and good, but it doesn't actually hit. I'm trying to assume what people want to know. I don't actually get someone's question or I don't like, we can't relate it to any sort of stories. So what we're gonna hopefully with this, we'll meet different people in the industry as well. And uh, from there, learn about them, get to know some little golden nuggets as what made them sort of the person they are, what their journey is. And then hopefully people can tap into a level deeper than just reading text. Um, sort of tap in on an emotional level and relate and just expand people's sort of horizons and um, yeah, blog posts as well, you know, it's very, people are just over churned with information. You know, here is a blog post, here is a blog post, here is this, here is that. Um, it's much easier to read while you're driving or while you're sitting in the office and doing or while you're cooking. Oh, sorry, it's much easier to listen. I was going to say, you shouldn't be reading. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, it's much easier to listen to a podcast that's playing in the background when you're driving or when you're, when, you're, when you're cooking or when you're doing something else than like... Yeah, you sort of absorb it like just through osmosis, like although you're not paying attention to every word, you're kind of getting the gist and then the, 
the important bits almost kind of stand out. Like you, you know, almost like automatically pick out the most interesting bits because somebody says something and then you sort of tweak and then you're, uh, yeah. you're really into it. And you can rewind it and go back again. If we, yeah. we manage to touch on something mind-blowingly interesting, you can go back and see. And then you can always ask us what we meant. You know, people can always email us or speak to us or whatever and go here, well, can you elaborate on this? Or, and then again, hopefully we'll, we'll meet people and we'll have recommendations over who to speak to and make, make the conversation as interesting as possible. We're going to be really bad at it to begin with. We're going to be really raw, really amateur, but it's just what we want to do. Yeah, but it'd be cool though, like, you know, when we're, when we're doing like the 1000th podcast, we can sort of sit back and listen to this one and be like, oh God. Yeah. When we have our studio and the, and the Burj Khalifa. Yeah, iTunes number one. Yeah, just Keith and Matt chatting crap. That's it. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I suppose a little bit of background then about the company, um, just to give people a better idea of where we're coming from. Whatever, we came over to Dubai a few years ago to work at Fast together. Um, that Things didn't pan out there the way we all had aspired to. So when we left summer, what was it, summer 2014? And then four of us were looking individually. We decided, look, let's group together. Um, you know, we're, we're better united. We're better together. We were a good team in our last place. Let's keep our, our momentum going. Um, because I sort of personally felt like I'd abandoned a lot of my clients as well. With my sudden departure, I didn't really get a chance to tell people or prepare people. So um, by creating a small platform that we could do, we could still serve them better. And then from there, we just uh, we just built and built, didn't we? We just sort of well, it's, it's one of the, the natural progress in this business. Like you can only go so far as an employee, and I guess that's true in, in most creative businesses or craft-like businesses, in the sense that you start having your own ideas about how gyms should be run and shaped, and how uh, how like the business model of the gym should shape the training, or how the the training should be shaped by the business model, and so on and so forth. And you keep having these ideas, and if you if you constantly have to run them past a, a team that, of managers that are above you, it, it becomes stifling. And so I think it's, uh, it's just a natural progression to want to end up doing your own thing and exploring your own ideas and developing. Otherwise, you just remain stagnant and you're always just this uh, employee. You, you, can't, you can't experiment, figure things out and get creative. Yeah, also you, uh, you, you reach a tipping point where now you're, now you're sort of trapped because you get to the point where you have a marriage or you have kids or you have other sort of bills that you can't, you can't, you can't take that leap to go out by yourself because the risk is so much higher. We were four relatively single, unattached guys, you know, who just had to, just had to get down in the trenches and figure it out. The funny thing is we were four sports scientists trying to, trying to run a business. Um, and it's still a work in progress. We're still figuring it out now. Hopefully by the time people we're famous and people are listening to this, It'll be pretty clear that we know what we're doing, but up until now, it's been quite ad hoc, quite enjoyable. The highs have been really high, and the lows have been overwhelmingly low. <laughs> Depressing. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. What are we doing? Just insurmountable self-doubt. What the hell am I doing? Yeah, but that's the adventure, right? I mean, that's like uh, I always think of it 
like the old um, kind of explorers like a few hundred years ago. They just buy a boat and they're like, right, we're just going to sail in that direction and see what happens. And the, it's that kind of spirit of adventure that's behind it. Yeah, but I'm let's pretty sure. Try it. Let's just I'm see. pretty sure that the captain of those ships was mental, and all the sailors were convicts. <laughs> well, yeah, were facing <laughs> one form of. Is either that would get hung? Yeah, imprisonment, or go on a ship. Um, who and they all pretty much died anyway when they got across. Some weird disease. That's not hope. That's an accurate analogy, Matt. Um, <laughs> but no, I get your point. You just have to just to take the leap, don't you? We wanted to do something. Uh, it didn't quite work out where we were, and then, but we had no plan, we had no pre-plan to do it, it was just, well, suddenly the, the scenery had shifted. But I think that's the way to do it. I think if yeah. you spend too long sitting there planning it and worrying about every little thing that could go wrong, you end up convincing yourself uh, that it's a bad idea. I think when you just, you just take the leap, you go for it, and you learn while you're doing it, that's a much more, uh, was financially a lot more viable to do it that way because at least you're earning money while you're experimenting and doing things and you can get instant feedback from your customers as well like if people start dropping off or they're not really into it you get to know straight away rather than spending hours on this plan yeah uh, only for the next sort of few clients to be like nah this isn't going to work we're now out and then suddenly you're stuck and you're like oh okay now i've got no job no business no nothing yeah but i think I was, it's paralysis by analysis, isn't it? Like, yeah, exactly. That. Um, you're never really, re I don't know if you're ever ready, unless you've just won the lottery and you've got a whole bank account full of money, now you can do what you want. Or yeah, but you even then, most people end up broke once they've won the lottery because they don't have any sort of ideas. So, uh, no, no, I mean, it's like having a kid, isn't it? I mean, it is like our, our little baby, like it's never yeah. quite ready to have it. you just got to do it and you just got you got to figure it out as you go along. Yeah, it's got to make it, but we get to do what we want. Like we get to sit here now recording a podcast because we have a quiet day at work. Whereas before we had to sort of, in any other job, you've got to source the finance, you've got to ask permission, you've got to, yeah. somebody has to tell you, yes, you can say this, no, you can't say that. Um, to avoid saying this and sort of ideas clash. We've been together for a year now, the four of us, so we sort of know exactly where we are as a, as a group, what our philosophy is, um, like sort of, it's, it's whatever we want to do that serves our community. As we want to just build a community, we want to keep, keep people interested, give people, offer people something else in Dubai, aside from just work and, and beaches, we want to offer people like a, a destination where they can come, they know the, they know the co coaches, they know the staff, they know, they know what they're going to get, they know each other, um, and from there, sort of everybody gets along and the network in increases and people's social life increases and people's health improves. And it's a sort of knock-on effect that, uh, that we're more than happy to, to offer the platform. Yeah, the, the whole community focus has been, uh, was a smart choice, I think. Is it still a smart choice? One of my clients said the other day that she was, um, she, she actually said she was addicted to the community. It wasn't like the, the training or anything like that, but she would just really, really love just yeah. being part of the whole thing. Um, which was entirely the point. Yeah. So from that point, it's worked like a charm. Yeah, that's just one person as well. Like, yeah. that's almost enough. Um, I'm sure there's other people who who like it. I mean, it makes. I know the 6 a.m. crew in the training room. They get up out of bed and they're chatting to each other. And they're people who I know didn't know each other before they started training. Yeah. And we partner them up. They work together. They partner each other up. They they high five each other. Um, I mean, I've had two guys in my uh, semi-private that actually started working together business-wise, like collaborating on different business things. I mean, it's, it's great. That's exactly yeah, what it was supposed to be. 
And the thing is that it's nice because then you end up training harder and you end up training more. Like you just come more frequently because you, you yeah. want to remain part of that community and keep up to date. And that, that's one of the things where I always I was always a little bit critical of other classes and things like that. Because the philosophy was always just get in and get it done as fast as possible. Like let's let's do whatever I can to distract myself from the process. Let's have loud music, um, shorter classes, kind of weird things, like weird pieces of equipment and stuff like that. Everything was just a distraction. There was there was nothing to keep you from coming back as such, other than just more gimmicky ideas, which after a period of time end up wearing like running thin anyway. Yeah. Um, but you should enjoy training, and that, that was kind of our point in doing this, building this community, just so people enjoy the training process a lot more. Um, so that when they, they leave and they, they travel somewhere else or they go somewhere else, they want to at least kind of maintain some of what they did before. Maybe it's not going to be in quite in the same way, but hopefully they've uh, been part of our community long enough that they've, they've learned some stuff. They've got to a point where they enjoy training and yeah. they're, they're willing to keep that on as a lifestyle habit. Yeah, we no. shall see. Yeah, hopefully as well. I mean, our, our kind of fundamentals coming from professional sports and prof I, came, I used to work at the military like is a level of professionalism that we expect ourselves to deliver. Why I, you know, you expected of me, I expected of you and the guys, they mm. expected of, of each of us. That I hope that our clients begin to expect that from other fitness professionals. Yeah. You know, like there's so many other trainers, there's so many fantastic trainers in Dubai, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of loose ones, a lot of ones that are sort of, it's, it's, it's lucky for them that it's such a lucrative, People in this, people, the, the clients in this, some of them have quite a disposable income that they, and they can get to charge 300, 350 an hour, whereas in other countries that's unheard of money, plus mm. tax. These trainers wouldn't survive. But what we would like to do is, I know a few people that sort of, they've gone away, they've moved to other places, um, and I'm still programming them while they're with their other trainer. Not to say that trainer is no good, but just they have so much confidence and they enjoy our programming, they enjoy our style, we have met their needs, you know? Yep. Um, so when people do go away, hopefully at that point we'll have our online training um, where people can get programs from us online over the internet. And then we plan with the YouTube channel. Nick is setting that up now. We've done about 15 exercises, I think. That'll go as a database for explaining the exercises so people can get the name. Here you go, here's your exercise A, B, and C, what the hell is that, I don't know, go to the YouTube channel, there's the name matched, no complications, and there's Nick, or me, or you, or Chris explaining it, and it just, it just creates that trust and just expands, uh, expands our horizon, and it allows our community to travel and still kind of stay friends and stay in the group. Um, yeah, so that's... Uh, that's what we wanted to aim for with the, with the company. Um, what has led you here, Matt? What's your, what's your story? Uh, well, came fresh out of university, more or less. Uh, so I, before I came to Dubai, I literally just finished my postgraduate in physiology. So I was off the back of six months of sitting in a lab, testing and poking people and electrocuting them, quite literally. Uh, <laughs> so it was, it was time to kind of get back out in the business. What were you doing electrocuting people? Uh, so we were testing whether or not uh, five days of consuming beetroot juice oh. 
would increase uh, muscle contraction. So the power of your muscle contraction. Beetroot juice. Beetroot juice. So it tastes disgusting. <laughs> and so we, uh, so our participants would literally drink uh, 0.5 liters of beetroot juice uh, for five days, and then they'll come into the lab. We'll strap them onto the chair, tie them down, uh, and then stick an electrode right on their femoral nerve, and then send about. Where is the femoral nerve? The femoral nerve is literally right on the hip or just in the groin. Yeah. So it's, it's getting a little bit closer to uh, comfort. It's on that little triangle just <laughs> inside your groin. Yeah. yeah, on top of the triangle. So, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was painful. Um, bless them for doing it. They got 50 quid. Cool. We would, uh, would punch them with about 300 hertz. Of, Are they uh, students? Uh, yeah, all students, yeah. It's a big 50 quid. Um, it is. I mean, that's, that's two weeks shopping. That's loads of nights on the, on the tear as well in the UK. And yeah, student of course. Nights. 20, uh, 20 pounds for a night out, no worries. 20 pounds? And, uh, and so yeah, we'd electrocute them and then basically uh, that would just fire up their muscle to its maximum capacity. And it turns out that it does. The results were that uh, not so much in the peak contraction, but the speed of the contraction improves when you have uh, beetroot juice for a number of reasons that uh, maybe we can go into in another podcast, but that's uh, yeah. that's getting into the academia side of it. I'll things. let you do a solo podcast with yeah. that one. You can, you can run through. You published it though, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, got it published um, in quite a high impact journal as well, actually. It was uh, not bad going. Um, I can never remember the name of the journalist. Sports, exercise and medicine and sports science or something like that. Exercise and medicine. Ex what was it? Exercise. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Know, it was loads, a decent journal. Lots yeah, of journals that have a similar uh, It was good. It was good. First bit of work published. Um, I have no desire to ever do any sort of dissertation again. That, that pretty much killed the idea of uh, PhDs. Being and, an academic. Yeah. And uh, I, I knew that I didn't want to go into sport again. I, so I had spent maybe, well, pretty much three years worth of internships back in my undergrad. Um, the peak of that culminating in a, a year in the run-up to the London 2012 Olympics with the English Institute of Sport where I was working with the British rowing, um, sprint kayak, the Paralympic rowing and spent some time in the uh, the main rehab unit there as well. Uh, I knew that I didn't really want to go back into that environment uh, for a number of reasons. What were they? Um, <laughs> well it's just the... Uh, over. I, I, I didn't like the idea beforehand. I always knew I didn't want an office job. I didn't want to be sitting there uh, eight, nine hours a day. Crunching data. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's pretty much what it was. And it was in, don't get me wrong, it was great with the athletes. Like the actual time in the gym was wonderful and I learned a lot. But the actual stresses and strains of the job, like uh, my mentor, who was the head of uh, GB rowing, um, the strength and conditioning part. Uh, like he was out of the country maybe nine months out of the year. And that was the same with, with the spring kayak coach. Yeah, just in training camps and all sorts. And so trying to hold down relationships and other things just becomes, you know, more or less impossible, I think. Uh, and I knew that as much as I wanted it, I, I wanted to have the freedom in choosing what I did, when I wanted to do it, with who I would want to work with. And I, I've always liked that idea of having freedom in uh, whatever I did. So like we said before, like the freedom to be creative, the freedom to try different things out. So. I knew from that point on that uh, I needed to eventually run my own business or do something in the private sector. Uh, and then uh, my girlfriend ended up coming out to Dubai and I figured, well, that's a pretty decent place to go looking for. So obviously joined Fast straight away. Um, after a few months, managed to kind of tell the boss man my ideas and my thoughts and you kind of negotiate your little, my little role as a, as a somewhat of a manager, I guess, of the uh, 
the sports science and education stuff. So got to experiment running with a few workshops and doing different bits of writing and having a say in how the gym was run to a certain extent. But uh, again, like we were saying before, when you've got a manager above you, it's difficult to get that sort of freedom. So it was always with the view to eventually doing what we're doing now. Um, and so, yeah, here we are. Yeah, it would have been nice to do that as part of the original, the original plan. Yeah, just the gym was so good. So we, we had a fantastic facility, we had a fantastic team. Um, we had a very enjoyable time there as well, you know, when, when things were going good, like any job. Got then us, it was great. It's got yeah. us good and it's bad. Um, so yeah, it was a, that was a fun time. I really enjoyed it when we were there. Mm -hmm. I, uh, yeah, I came over, same idea. Chris had come over here a few months before me. Actually, to rewind the clock a bit before that, we were, myself and Chris were in university together in England. Um, that's how I met Chris in the first place, in St. Mary's in, in Twickenham. Day one, registration queue, waiting to sign some piece of paper. I, I heard this, uh, I heard this Irish accent behind me, I turned around and I had to look down. Look down too deep. Turn around, who's that? Didn't see anybody look down, there's Chris. Oh, hello mate, where are you from? From Dublin. Oh, me too. How's it going? Let's be friends, okay. So, uh, it's just the way with the Irish, you just hear that accent, yeah. it's like a beacon. Well, especially Dublin because people, Irish people are very loyal to each other, except maybe I'm just not a nice person, but except to me when they hear I'm from South Dublin, oh, you're from, D, you're from wherever, a place called D6, which is a kind of a very, a very well-off, slightly uh, clicky kind of part of town, if you know what I mean. I'm not from there, I'm from the place right next to it, but uh, yeah, especially when you hear a Dublin accent, it's like, all right, where we can be allies because the rest of Ireland, uh, we're on the back foot before we can prove ourselves that we're nice people, yeah. just being from Dublin. But yeah, we were in the university together. I did rehab course, he did the strength and conditioning course. And then when we finished, we moved in together shortly after uh, I moved into his place, his student place for a few months. And we found a place in Wimbledon and the two of us were flat broke. We'll probably go into more about this when I speak with Chris and we have him in. But uh, we were, I was working two part-time jobs. He was working an intern job at London Irish and we were talking about just we need we need work, we need jobs, we need money, we need to get on with our lives. So sitting on the couch watching daytime TV, one of the days I remember we were laughing and joking about like moving to Canada, moving to Australia. Clicked on a thing, jobs in Dubai just for a laugh. We actually I actually looked up how much it would cost to to uh, I found a second-hand Hummer on du on some internet page would cost eight and a half grand to buy and whatever else. So. For somehow or another, Chris went on Google Images, saw this fast athletic training thing, sent him an email, and then that must have been, that must have been, uh, I don't know, before Christmas one year, and then 12, 13 months later, he was on the flight, and I said to him, I was like, dude, my contract with the military runs out. Um, if I don't find something better in the UK, I'll definitely come out with you. So I came out to visit him, St. Patrick's Day of that year, that was in March. Met the, met the team, saw the old space, saw the place in Alcoz, really liked it. Was inspired by the idea of everything that we had in common and uh, moved out after the summer once my contract finished in October. Yeah, two weeks after. 2013, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, tw uh, yeah. Two, yeah, yeah 2013. Just the, just the opening of time in the, in the Shakeside Road facility. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, I loved it. Um, Dubai obviously has its has its place. You know, it's unique, whatever. All the, the weather, all the fun stuff. When you first move out, you just get on board with the party. You met the rugby guys, had a great time. It was like first year of uni all over again. Yeah, uni on <laughs> uni with money. Brunch every Friday. Yeah, I loved it. Um, and so we're still here. Um, I suppose I don't think I'd go back, and I wouldn't wouldn't change anything. It was all fantastic. Yeah, no, it, it was all what it needed to be. Yeah, kind of set us up and then uh, inspired us to do our own sort of thing. And yeah, we are now. allowed us to get to know each other as well and sort of. I know you. I know what your strength is. I know what you're you're not good at. Same with the other guys, and you guys know me and my my good and bad. And together we just drag each other through. Um, yeah, it's good having that three years of fast beforehand, or two years, or whatever it was. Two years. Then. Yeah, just familiarisation. Um, yeah, and you just get to know each other, as you say. And so when you when you you know the penny drops, and okay, we need to go and do this thing, you're a little bit more confident, and okay, we actually have a decent workable team here. Um, I think that's always the worst things. Like whenever I see other people start businesses, and they kind of club together with a, maybe a couple of other guys who they've only just met. I always think, man, that's going to be a rocky, rocky road. Like when you when you're discovering things about each other, yeah. um, and you're trying to make money and hustle at the same time, and you're you're stressed and depressed and then happy, and then to do that while working out somebody else's quirks, that must be a stressful process. Yeah, and very uncertain. I mean, yeah. we have, we've had a lot of uncertainty, but at least it's not been with each other. Mm. You know, it's not been. Uh, it's just the business side of things that we're, we're figuring out. I'm not. I know. I know what Nick and Chris like to do. They know what I like to do. You know, we all we all gel quite nicely. Um, so hopefully we can take that forward and, and keep keep building. That's, so we'll uh, we'll probably get to know Chris and Nick a little better when we bring them in. Um, talk to Chris about how the, the trip to Paris went. Uh, him and Spence cycling across London to Paris. We'll get the down low on that. Um, what, what Nick's just been building his brand, Coach Nick, 20,000 followers. Really, <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite, was it 12 at the moment? 12 yeah, 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 yeah. He's getting there Yeah, he's doing good. He likes, his, uh, he likes his social media. For anybody who doesn't know, follow Coach Nick underscore PTC on Instagram. Um, yeah, I mean, social media, it's, it's, he's the guy for that. I don't really like, oops, I don't really like, uh, Spending too much time on it, I'd rather sit back and. No, and this is a nice part of the team, <laughs> the fact that we have very like we we've got a lot of uh, commonalities, but we're also wildly different in certain areas, which is great. Like, because I hate social media and I don't really want to have to worry about any of that stuff. So it's good when other people can kind of, uh, well, they actually genuinely enjoy it, so they can kind of, you know, the yin to your yang yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. What do you think about social media and and. Uh... Uh, the fitness industry it's pretty intense I hate it I mean um, for the reasons that I kind of mentioned at the very start it's all sound bitey it's all uh, particularly like the motivational posts and stuff like that where it's just kind of like a you know live for today not tomorrow and there's like a picture of a, a lion <laughs> in the background or some stupid shit and it's you know, and then people you see, uh, they, they have their little sort of quotes and stuff and like some sort of cheesy picture that they got their friend to take a hundred times with different filters and all this sort of stuff. So it's all very superficial and it's all very, as I say, sound bitey. There's no real depth or meat to uh, any of it, which is great for some things. I mean, you don't always need that. And it, 
if you use it as uh, just a kind of keeping your tabs on your friends and just posting up cool pictures that you can look back on in a few years time and great but I think the problem comes when people start really trying to put forward serious information or trying to convey serious sort of things that it, it sort of gets lost really yeah I don't know I mean I don't know if, uh, if I quite agree that it's that all of it is uh, useless because it gives us a platform to sort of share our our, our clients' triumphs and sort of show people what we're doing and show people that we're actually going out and about at the outdoor club. But yeah, but that's where a snapshot is appropriate. Yeah, because people just want to see that quickly. Um, no, I mean if, to use it as a marketing tool, I think you just have to. Man. Yeah. Um, so whether or not any sort of personal opinion is invalid, just because it's people have shown that it works and it helps, but. It's more that what it uh, what it does for everybody else. So people use it for personal reasons, and then you get all this anxiety and. Well, people judge their success by it. Exactly. There, there was a term somebody coined in an article I read the other day, where it was FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah, have you not heard that before? Uh, I heard it a while back, but I mean, this this just kind of shows it. Like so, FOMO is like a genuine anxiety now where people think that they're living shitty lives because they see their friends apparently living these amazing lives because yeah. it's all being catered and it's all being sort of tweaked to look that way. And things like that are dangerous, man. And people have been warning about that sort of stuff for thousands of years. Like you look at back at some of the old Greek philosophy stuff and they're talking about don't worry about what your friends are doing. Like this, this sort of uh, trend, even back in those times, like this is getting stupid. Just stop it. Yeah, also, don't judge your self-worth by likes. Those little, dope, yeah. those little dopamine hits. You can see how it happens. You post a picture. Like, I don't particularly... Like, I'm, I don't really uh, need social media to tell me I've had a nice weekend, I've got a nice thing. But I, like, I, enjoy, I enjoy taking a photograph. Here's a nice photo. Put it up. And I'm looking at my phone. Oh, yeah, he liked it. Good. Oh, yeah, she liked it. Good. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. The likes and that kind of thing, it doesn't matter what's... What... Uh, I suppose it depends how you use the platform. Well, it's the same as anything. If you abuse it and you, it becomes toxic, then obviously it's, uh, it's not so good, but you can get lots of benefits out of it. But if you're a 14 year old girl and you start cutting yourself because you've not reached 100 oh, likes, like that's, uh, that's when it's like, okay, look. <laughs> yeah, God, who knows what's going on at that age because we didn't have it at 14, 15. You know, we didn't have social media. We didn't have... Uh, or outside playing. What? They were outside kicking the football. Yeah, out. yeah. Well, I, just, I mean, we still got picked on. We still, there's still other ways where we, we'd feel good about our, uh, good or bad about ourselves. But uh, like the, being the last picked in football, killer. Or last picked for, for chasing. You're on, you're it, and everyone's running away from you. Like, that's such a mean game. Yeah, it's all. <laughs> stand on the line, seek. and I would judge you. Hide, hide and seek. Let's everybody hide on that kid. Yeah. Don't tell them where we are. Like, in, in, in essence, those are really <laughs> mean games. You got one kid running around looking for people, everyone's hiding, it's vicious, but... but at least you're seeing the person face to face who's doing it to you, and at least then you know not to be around that person. Yeah, and so also, you've got some internet troll who lives in another country telling you that you're ugly. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's something else entirely more insidious. No, I can imagine it's vicious for kids, like, yeah, just, this, just commenting on your photographs or just other kids elsewhere just being mean or whatever. But I wonder, hey, I wonder what the parents are doing about that these days. Like, what's the yeah, strategies? I'm terrified about being a parent in this age. Why? For that reason. Like, you, it's not like, uh, and people always say, like, make the argument that, oh, well, every parent says that and everybody thinks that their generation is worse. But it, and it, which is true to a certain extent, like, okay, maybe you can't say that, but there's, there's one of these things where 
it's kind of like a, a linear line going straight up. So every, it's hard to describe in voice, but so if you look on a graph and you imagine there's a straight line going up, yeah. every point is worse. Do you know what I mean? It's progressively getting worse for each generation. And I think there's some truth to that. What's getting worse though? Uh, the way in which we live and the way in which um, we perceive things and the way in which we... I'm not saying that this is very much like the Western world. I mean, there's other cultures that haven't really changed at all in uh, hundreds of years. And they still seem to be absolutely fine and quite happy in terms of just having little uh, little leaves covering their, uh, covering their nether regions <laughs> and running around hunting stuff. Um, whereas us as a society, as a Western society, Everything's becoming a lot more superficial. Um, people think that they need to do things that they don't. The ideas of success and happiness have become distorted. Uh, so that people are continually chasing some sort of future aspiration. There's, there's never any time for the present and enjoying what you have right now. And that just seems to be getting worse. And social media seems to be contributing that to that, I think, to a certain degree. Yeah, no, I'd agree. But I'd also say that like, this, is all, this is probably the best time to live as well. Oh, yeah, we're not going to die because, because, but, but, but because <laughs> of social media, because you have got this platform to connect to people, like if you use it right, yeah. I've got friends that I still see all over the world. I don't know, I wouldn't see them per se, but I get to see what they're doing. The people I actually like, mm. the people I actually care about, family, friends, you know, you can share. I know my cousin's getting engaged as soon as he's engaged. Yeah. You know, I can contact him, da -da -da -da, quick message forward, quick message back. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to go too far out of my way. But imagine like, if, like 200 years ago, you had to write a letter, right? Now, if you knew that there's going to be this letter and it was going to take a month to deliver to that person, the stuff that you would say, you would be really like thinking about, okay, what do I really want this person to know? Do you like, reckon? Yeah. Or do you reckon you just not write? You just, you just wouldn't write it. Do you reckon you just wouldn't know what to write? So uh, I had a... I had a oats and rye for breakfast <laughs> and uh, we're gonna we're gonna go out and chop some wood and make make a campfire uh it's probably what i'm gonna do tomorrow pretty much did that all last week um so yeah i look forward to seeing you yeah, on, maybe it's like a in way six of months. Uh, incentivizing you to live a more interesting life like fuck i've got nothing to say to this guy yeah um, but you'd, you'd take the time like you would you'd think about okay what do i really want to say to you uh i've not seen you for a month i've not seen your face or your picture like, man, I miss you. Uh, do you know what I mean? There'll be a lot more depth to it. There'll be a lot more to it. And then receiving a letter like that would mean so much more than a quick Facebook message or yeah, a no, quick I remember, text. Yeah, no, I remember I used to, my sisters were, uh, one of my, my oldest sister is 11 years older than me. She used to go to Europe each summer or somewhere, I can't really remember, for a long period of time and she'd au pair. And I remember we would write letters to each other. Yeah. But, I mean, I was a kid. I wrote, uh, went to school, my home, whatever. <laughs> but I remember it got to the point where we were writing letters so much that I just was writing to her what was happening in Home and Away. <laughs> <laughs> so in Home and Away, Joey and Alf had a fight and they, Alf kicked Joey out and now Joey is living in the caravan park with Pippa and Steve and send that. <laughs> I mean, I was a kid, but it, uh, it wasn't in-depth, perceptive, whatever. But, no, I mean, you could still write a letter if you wanted. Uh, one of my exes used to write me letters. She went away to France for like three months and uh, thought it'd be cute, uh, which it was, it was nice. You know, fuck, no one ever gets letters. 
yeah. is that's a Facebook meme, like uh, back in the 90s, you get all this mail, you'd be like, ah, sucks. And then yeah, you yeah. get an email, you'd be like, holy shit, I got an email. Yeah. Whereas now it's the opposite. You get so many emails, but if someone writes you a letter, like, wow, <laughs> got a little letter. Yeah, well, I don't know. Like kids these days, just if, you, if you're worried about your kid getting bullied or whatever, just make sure your kid's not a pussy. I think that's the biggest thing. Put right? him into some, him or her, into some competitive sport where they get to learn community early on. They get to like... Well, they get exposed to other people's shit earlier on. Yeah. So they get a chance to, to deal with it. I mean, there's certain kids that are going to be introverts and like you can't do anything about that. Then you just got to find what they like. Get them in some, even if it's a computer world where they might sit at home, get them in some computer community. Like it's, it's all about just getting people socializing. People, people uh, in the jiu-jitsu class, boxing class. People don't do well by themselves, whatever their likes or dislikes or interests. You know, you need a group of people around you to help you through, uh, over, overcome little obstacles, help you solve problems, learn from each other's experience, and then enjoy things, share, share good experiences, whether that's comic con once a year, or uh, whether it's going to football matches with the lads, or down the pub, or out to a nightclub, or I mean, what, what else is there to do? There's loads of stimulus out there. There's loads of access to, to like you said, to, to combat sports. If you want to do jujitsu, get your kids in early. Get them lifting weights. Get them doing gymnastics. That's fantastic. If they learn how to move, they get control of their body, they get body weight strength, they get coordination. And they're fearless at that age as well. They'd be just jumping and twisting and turning and hoops, somersaulting. What's that thing? Cartwheeling. Mm. Yeah, that's the age you need to do it. Yeah. There's no, there's no good starting gymnastics when you're 16, because then you're just gonna be terrified about breaking your bones and stuff. Yeah, and you won't be very good because you're trying to control much more mass, yeah. much more weight, much more momentum. Whereas as a kid, you're small, you, land, you, bump, you bump off this, you land on your back. You get hurt, I suppose, but not as detrimental, you bounce back. Yeah, no, the youth development is, a, is an underrated and undervalued uh, idea. Yeah, I remember I, I, my sisters were doing uh, gymnastics as a kid, and I went down when my mom were up on the balcony. I think we spoke about this on one of the other podcasts that we've attempted. Canned, to yeah, that, <laughs> that are dead. But I'll share this knowledge with you anyway, since it was so golden. Um, but we were, my mom and my, me were watching from the balcony. And I remember seeing this very young group of kids down below. I remember asking my mom, "Can I go down and join them?" She's like, "Yeah, go on." So I simply ran downstairs and stood against the wall at the end of this line, and. Uh, while everybody was waiting to do something. And I remember thinking, I'm not allowed to be here. Like, I'm not meant to be in, the, I didn't ask permission. There's nobody, the teacher doesn't know I'm here. Like, and I got this, like this fear, this little nervous anxiousness. And I was like, oh no, oh no, I'm gonna get in trouble. I'm gonna get, she's gonna tell me I shouldn't be here. She's gonna tell me to go back. So I just simply got scared and just ran back upstairs and sat beside my mom. And I wonder what would have been different if I had of, uh, my mom had to come down and like introduce me to the teacher or if the teacher had a, spotted me sooner and made me feel welcome or whatever or you know just that initial break the ice that initial introduction could have got me into gymnastics as a and all they were doing i think was walking along balance beams and jumping over little things like it was i must have been five or six really really young um but yeah it could have been very different could have been an olympian mm. gold medal if you sit with somebody famous right now matt we'd have this podcast would be way more successful <laughs> people will care yeah, I don't know if anyone's listening at all. If you're listening, let us know. Um, yeah, no, I did gymnastics when I was five. It was great. As you say, just jumping in those big foam pits, just swinging on bars and stuff. Fantastic. 
Yeah, do you remember we went to bounce here in Dubai last two years ago? Yeah, I injured myself straight away. <laughs> yeah, I hurt my neck as well. But we were just running and jumping and bouncing off things. Like, but 20 minutes later, I was drenched in sweat, mm. absolutely knackered, and there was still kids just zipping around the place and like small little lightweight kids just having the best hour of their lives and then full of energy. We were all knackered. Yeah, knackered, injured. 20 minutes in. <laughs> They did a thing actually, I, I, I haven't seen it, I only read about it, where they got a baby in one room, that, like in a, in a model room of couches and chairs and tables and whatever else, and in the room next to it they, got, they put an adult, and they built the room to scale. So if the chair came up to the baby's eyes, they oh, built right, a chair yeah. that came up to the adult's eyes, and the couch <laughs> the same, the table the same, and the, the, the adult had to mimic everything the baby did. Like it was probably one of these babies that was just walking or just standing up, so just moving around quite freely. I did about an hour and a half and the adult was absolutely knackered, like totally fatigued, just couldn't keep up. The baby was just running around. Yeah. Just sheer representation of like weight to strength. What is it? What would you say? Weight to strength ratios. Yeah. Just a baby full of energy. Well, a baby, um, like, you know, the, all the bones aren't fully formed yet. It's just kind of this, this big sack. Yeah, <laughs> it's of, just, of mush. Yeah, and the, you know, I, I think a lot of limitations with adults is uh, overthinking. You you instantly have that sort of oh I can't do this. Oh man, this is tough. Whereas a baby is just experimenting, it's just play. Like yeah. there's no uh, there's no sort of worries there at all. So there's there's zero mental uh, negativity or anything happening. And as you say, like it it's just light as well. Yeah, it's light. Yeah, that's it. And it's small levers, so getting up and down is much easier for a baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the classic argument why people should squat deep, which doesn't really hold true because babies don't have kneecap. They're little toddlers, their kneecap. When does your kneecap form? It's like when you're hitting adolescence or like when you're like six or five or six. Yeah, it'll start to grow a little bit. But I mean, if you look, if you look at sort of the Afghanis or the, the Pakistanis or Indian guys when they're hanging out, they're just sitting in deep squats, yeah. full, full in. They've got kneecaps. Um, no, no, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you shouldn't squat deep. I'm just saying that, uh, that using that example, yeah. look at what this baby does, it's slightly different. It's slightly different, but if, you, if that baby keeps doing it all oh, yeah, the way yeah, through yeah. the life, it, it, the behavioural pattern will, will adapt and, and uh, will like, grow into that movement pattern. Um, yeah, so, I don't know, should we, should we leave it there? Should we wrap it up? Yeah, with uh, Chris next week, he will uh, he'll go a lot more into the youth stuff. That's very much his ball game. Well, moment. yeah, we'll try. Chris doesn't say a lot. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll, we'll try and dig it out. Yeah, we, we can talk about youth stuff and, and his outdoor club. And see how he's getting on. He's doing a lot of work with the schools, so we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, because all the parents, you know, a lot more questions these days are, what should my kid do? Is it safe for my kid to do this or that? So it is an area of interest, and it's only going to get bigger. We'll, uh, yeah, and it's important. It's important. He'll talk about it again, but it's important to get your if you want your child to be anyway fit and healthy all the way through their life. Yeah, able to catch a ball, not be one of those kids that can't oh, catch. Yeah. <laughs> but you want to get your kids' baseline up as high as possible. So when they're when they're an adult, they are a higher they have a higher level of a foundation than the kids who aren't as active. That's me personally, anyway. You know, if you if you let your uh, if you let your teenage years waste away, when you reach 18, 19, that level is, that's the, max, that's the maximum level you can build upon. And then from there, you've only got a certain amount of t hours in the day and you know, to improve your performance after that. 
Whereas if as a kid, all the way up through your developing ages, you can increase that level of foundation. So you've got a much higher baseline. Already you've got a, an advantage and now you can build on that. But a broader baseline as well. Different movement skills and more varied experiences to draw from. Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, okay, cool. Well, we'll see. If you listen to this, it means we've successfully figured out how to upload it and run it. So, uh, fingers crossed. Um, yeah, we'll leave it there. Okay, see you next time. Bye-bye.